Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. All right, as I mentioned before, our first and only lesson today is the 23rd Psalm. It is printed in your bulletin, and it is the King James Version. Usually that is not our standard translation, but there is a poetry and a comfort that I think comes through, especially in the 23rd Psalm, so that is, this version is King James. Please join me and let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we begin the sermon, I need you to turn your laughers on for just a moment. So let's practice together. uh, I'm going to pretend like I said something funny. You just laugh like it's funny. Ready? You go. (laughs) Good, good. We're ready. Okay, a few Mother's joke, a few Mother's Day jokes for us. You ready? Here we go. So you've ever heard any of these in any way, shape, or form? Mother to son. I'm warning you, if you fall out of that tree and break both your legs, don't come running to me. What did the mother broom say to the baby broom? What? It's time to go to sweep. Why do mother kangaroos hate rainy days? I don't know, because their kids have to play inside. The definition of a sweater is something you wear when your mother gets cold. (laughs) Sunday school teacher, tell me, Johnny, do you say prayers before eating? Uh, No, ma'am, I don't have to. My mom's a good cook. (laughs) Finally, mom number one, how do you get your sleepyhead son up in the morning? Mom number two, I just put the cat on the bed. Mom number one, how does that help? Mom number two, the dog is already there. It is a special day that we celebrate. And we are excited to lift up moms and all of those relationships. Uh, Today we focus on the 23rd Psalm and it is very much in the parent zone as one of the best ways to think about our relationship with God is as a parent to a child. So much great connection and understanding in that. 
So as we look at the 23rd Psalm, we know that the 23rd Psalm may be one of the most popular bits of Scripture throughout the Bible. Both uh, non-Christians and Christians alike know at least some part of the 23rd Psalm. It's one of those that people can say, we hope you can get to a point of recitation, that one of those that we say, but we don't do it every Sunday, so sometimes you may not get it. There, there was a, a story about a daughter in college whose mom was coming to visit her on campus, and her mom was afraid of tunnels, and she knew there were several between their home and where the daughter was in school. And so the mom said, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go. And she gets there, she's all safe and sound, and the daughter says, well, how, how was it? I know you have a hard time in the tunnels. She said it was, it was about a two-and-a-halfer. And she said, well, what does that mean? Two-and-a-half miles, two-and-a-half minutes in the tunnel? She said, no, I got through the 23rd Psalm two-and-a-half times to get me through the tunnel. So it, it is a part of that, that uh, uh, Christian um, kind of foundation that we put with the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, other things that we say and recite that very much help us, teach us, lead us, comfort us um, all through different moments in our lives. Um, the 23rd Psalm, we think, was written by David. Uh, in the very first line, pretty much all of us know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even if you don't know the rest, we pretty much get to the Lord is my shepherd at least. And David knows a little bit about what that's like, because what did David do before he was a king? He was a shepherd, right. And so sometime later in his journey, he reflected back to what that was like to be a shepherd. And if you remember some of David's story, he had older, strong, handsome brothers that were always seen as the leaders, and he was the kind of the runt of the litter, as it were, and as the youngest, what did he have to do? He had to go take care of the sheep while everybody else was pursuing noble pursuits. So David knows what it's like to be that shepherd for the sheep. It's an intimate relationship between shepherd and sheep. We know this as we visit this theme several times throughout the year, John 10, uh, with Jesus as the good shepherd. Jesus even tells us that when the sheep are in their sheepfold inside their walled enclosure at night, there is no gate on the front of that enclosure. And the good shepherd, for us that is Christ, lays across that opening. So if something wants to get to the, the sheep, it has to go over the shepherd, in this case Christ, or if the sheep try to get out, they still have to go over the shepherd. Now, parents of adolescents, you might start sleeping at your front door. I don't know if that's going to be helpful to you or not. No one can get in. No one can get out. But that's an intimate connection. The shepherd lays down their lives for their sheep. And it's an intimate connection all the way through the 23rd Psalm. You are my, I, my, me. Very personal, very connected does Davis tell us about God's relationship with humankind? So let's start from the top. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even before you get to want, if you start with the Lord is my shepherd, that really 
is some of the, the big core of today. The Lord is my shepherd. If we can proclaim that, we're kind of in the same vein a few weeks ago when doubting Thomas was finally able to see the risen Lord and his response once he realized was, my Lord and my God. It is short. It is a complete affirmation of self and God and Christ with us. And so too is the Lord is my shepherd. Now, there were other leaders of the day that were shepherds. Kings were seen and celebrated as shepherds of their people. And obviously, shepherding was more a way of life in that time, so it would have been a completely understandable and comfortable understanding that the Lord is my shepherd. So if the Lord is my or our shepherd, what does that mean? Well, it means we're sheep. You can take that any way you like. But what it means more so is that God, as our shepherd, cares for us. God, our shepherd, lays down God's life for us. A shepherd seeks to make sure that they go to green pastures and still waters. And while I want to go there and take a hammock and, and, and take a nap and have a picnic, the, the core of that is that for sheep, they can't go to non-still waters if they go to current-filled waters, they could be swept away, they could drown when they try to drink, they have to have still waters to be safe. And the green pastures, that's not because it's a nice, pristine location and color, that's what they eat, that's their food. And so the shepherd takes care of the sheep and protects them and leads them to make sure that when one starts to nibble off and doesn't even understand that that one is now separated from the rest, the shepherd goes and gets that one, as we know, and Luke tells us, uh, you have a hundred and one goes, he goes after the one, leaves the 99 to bring each one of us back every time we stray. And friends, there's a lot of us straying, myself, top of that list from day to day. That is what our shepherd does. And if we can affirm that, friends, we are almost home. If we can say that God, Lord, is our shepherd, we are almost there. But let's keep working. It's too much good stuff. This really should be treated in several Sundays because there's so much good stuff. It's like the Apostles' Creed. Each line has uh, just great uh, uh, God word stuff in it for us. But we'll, we'll, we'll just touch on some of it today. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So if you love God, you will not want for anything at any time. That's all you have to do. Love God, you want nothing, right? No. <laughs> There's some want that's positive. I want my children to have a better education, so maybe I go and participate somehow in that process. I want the homeless to be fed and housed so maybe I go participate in that process. I want to be closer to my family or an uncle or a friend that I haven't seen, and so maybe I take action to go do those things. Those wants are positive and helpful because they can move us to action. The want that often gets us in trouble, as we all know, is the want of the stuff. We all want stuff. 
Stuff's a part of our culture. It's a, stu- a part of our life. And as, as we say from time to time, it's not, the stuff is not in and of itself bad or detrimental. It's only when it takes you over and that's what you're living for. It's only when the only thing you can think about is, let's say, a 1966 Shelby Cobra convertible Mustang with the roll bar. I mean, just throwing stuff out. It's when that takes you over and you can't then, you don't then have time or space in your life, in your soul, in your mind, in your resources for God. Uh, Some years ago when I was contemplating going to seminary, uh, preacher school, uh, came to uh, Columbia here in Decatur and visited what they call Weekend for Theological Inquiry. And you come and you're with other people who are kind of wide. Are you doing, are you doing, you Jesus, am I Jesus? I don't know. You want, I don't know. So there's a lot of that. And they have different meetings and they, they kind of throw some of their, their big shots at the seminary at you. So you have some one-on-one time with names you may or may not know at that point. So when I went, now Walter Brueggemann um, at that time was on staff. Uh, he is preeminent Old Testament scholar, one of the best uh, in the world, I would say right now. Uh, and he was a professor there. And I remember him talking about uh, a phrase that he called military consumerism, military consumerism. He said, when people have no things, and if you've traveled to other places, you'll, you'll see this. If they have nothing, they don't have to defend nothing. It's when we start to acquire things that we then say, well, I have stuff and other people might want my stuff, so I have to protect my stuff. And that erodes some of our ability to connect with one another, to trust one another, because I have stuff and they may not have stuff and they're coming after me because I have stuff. Military consumers, I just thought that was a, a really interesting way to look at that. And we know that when stuff becomes preeminent and that's why we are working, it's why we are living, then we wind up living a shallow existence that can never be, that thirst can never be quenched. We can never be fed in that capacity, no matter how much you have or how much you don't. Because there's always more that we need to complete our set of whatever. There's more ornaments we need to get the full set of that. And once we do that, well, then we move on to the other thing that isn't quite there yet. Then we move on to the, to our uh, electronics. And then maybe we move on to our clothes. Maybe we move on to sports equipment. Maybe we move on to, you know, we're never there. We are never fully satisfied. And again, that's not bad unless that's what we're living for. And stuff is fun. At the end of the day, a lot of that stuff is fun and can bring some Sabbath and rest and connectional nature with friends and family. Again, it's not the stuff. It's when it takes us over and we find ourselves just working and living for the stuff. But I don't think David, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I don't think he's talking about not wanting new pair of sandals or a new toga or whatever he wanted in the day, new shepherd's crook for his sheep. It's a bigger picture that God provides for us, and it's those things that only God can provide that lead us to not want. So what are those things that God, only God provides for us? I will entertain 
responses from the congregation? What are the things that only God can provide for us that we can't get anyplace else? I'm sorry, loud? Peace? Salvation, thank you. I ought to be closer when I'm listening to you. Yeah, those things, uh, and we, we say each Sunday when we have our confession that Christ rose to overcome sin and death in the world. Who else can do that for you? Nobody. Who else has done that for you? Nobody. Why? Because nobody else or nothing else can provide that. It is God who provides a sense of connectedness, When we get to goodness and righteousness shall follow me all the days of my life, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That word mercy is one of my favorite Old Testament words. It's hesed with an H, but in Hebrew it's the ch. They have to say chesed. It's steadfast love. It is mercy. Only God can provide us that, those things. Only God can let us know that we are loved no matter what. We seek and spend so much of our lives and time, so many bad decisions because we don't think we are loved, we want to be connected, and we feel alone. And we aren't because God is with us. We are special, we are called, and we are loved, every last one of us, no matter whether we have a sense of God and Christ in our life or not. God pursues us pursues us. Even if we're running the other direction, that shepherd is coming after us. And what a blessing that is. When we don't have to worry about death in this life, when we know that's been taken care of, when we know we can always come home should we come through Christ, when we know that we are loved and connected to God through one another, when we know that we can live out of abundance and not fear, out of love and not hate, light, not darkness, only God through Christ provides that for us. And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, David knows he doesn't have to worry because we know later in his life he will want things that are not healthy and he will make bad decisions. But he knows in the bigger picture that God has taken care of those things that only God can, and that should give us security and joy in this life. The Lord is our shepherd. And it's interesting, as we move through the familiar words, the first part of it, it is... David uses he to speak to God as if David is talking to someone else about God. God does this. God takes me uh, through the valley. God restores my soul. God leads me beside still waters. God makes me to lie down in green pastures, leads me in righteousness. And then it shifts in the middle. For you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me, as if David now is speaking directly to God. Again, this intimacy between God and this servant, David. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
for a long time before I really studied it, I just thought, well, that means that we're supposed to sit at table with our enemies, which I believe we are, and Christ calls us to that, but that's not what this verse says. It says, you have prepared a table in the presence of my enemies, meaning I'm here eating it up. My enemies are over there, and they are not at the table. Some of the speculation is that there there are several psalms where the psalmists are being insulted by those who are non-believers. Why are you so foolish? Where is your God? And this is a response to say, I am at table with my God. Can't you see? And so table becomes an interesting piece of the 23rd Psalm story. At the 845 service, we had communion uh, and really connected communion to this 23rd Psalm table. The idea is that because God pursues us, excuse me, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Another translation for follow me is pursue. Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me. That means God is coming after you relentlessly to find you, to bring you home, to bring you to this table that is being and already prepared. So we came, last week I was in Montreat, North Carolina, one of our Presbyterian Church USA denominational conference centers. It is near Asheville, North Carolina, beautiful in the mountains, nice little valley. If you saw my, my video um, on Friday, Instagram and Facebook, I gave you just a little bit of taste of uh, what that was like. I went around in a circle and talked to you the whole time, just showing you the mountains, beautiful, special place for a lot of people. So I was at the uh, annual workshop, ARW, it stands for Arts, Recreation, and Worship filled with all kinds of creative, beautiful people doing creative, amazing things for Christ. And my afternoon class was called Destination Unknown. And so we would load up in the van and only the teacher knew where we were going and we would go to different points within driving distance to see different houses of worship. So the first day we went to First Presbyterian in Asheville, which is beautiful. They've just renovated their chancel space. That's the the upfront raised uh, kind of holy space in a church, the chancel. Uh, And it's it's wooden, it's beautiful. It's housed in a traditional uh, uh, old first church, but in the middle, and now they have a round communion table. I've never seen a round communion table before. Everything is movable. They can do really neat stuff with that space. Again, kind of a creative heart to traditional worship. We went to uh, the Cove, which is Billy Graham's training center. Uh, Took a tour, saw things, and they have a chapel there. And so we we looked and kind of thought about, about that. We went to some outdoor locations, but the last morning... We went to Asheville to a ministry that served uh, the homeless community called 12 Baskets. In reference to uh, Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000, there were 12 baskets left after everyone was fed. And often they said, why, why was there so much wasted? Why did you? It's, it's to continue what we understand about Christ operating out of the model of abundance and not scarcity. Abundance and joy, not fear and scarcity. 
It's why so much wine, so much water was turned into wine, some 180 gallons that took care of it and more. Why? Because God is working with abundance. We are given so much and so much in abundance. So uh, this pastor started um, her uh, doctorate work, and out of that, she saw a need in the Asheville community. Um, you know, we have an impression of Asheville is very kind of hippie and artsy, and it is, but there seemed to be a lack of resources for the homeless community, of which is substantial. Um, but the way that she crafted her particular ministry was to celebrate the humanity in each person, not to, to just feed them. So she said, often we with resources get with those who don't have resources and we try to give them some of what we have. And that's, and that's right to a point. But if you are in one of those receiving positions, it's hard. Think of yourself right now. If all of your support structure, if all of the money drew, uh, just dried up, if all of your connections that are your safety nets were gone and somehow you found yourself without a home on the street, what would you do? Well, you do what you have to do to survive, and you find yourself in a place where you have to ask somebody to help you. And sometimes people make those decisions to be there. There's mental illness, there's substance abuse, but each one of those is still a child of God, and each one has a story and is a human being. And so she would say that her ministry is to to celebrate their humanity, and in a process, she feeds them. And their food process is, is interesting because it's all prepared food from restaurants, hospitals, hotels. Said so she has several five-star restaurants that give them the food that is still uh, able to be eaten, but not able by government law to, to serve, so they'll, they'll get this amazing amount of, and they have more food than they can serve on a daily basis that is top quality. There are several Indian restaurants, five-star Indian restaurants, she said. She said, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, that's pretty hoity-toity stuff up there. He sends them meat and beef stew with huge chunks of the best steak that you can have. But when we got there, we said, okay, we're going to clean up. We're going to, you know, serve. What do you want to do? She said, y'all just sit down and visit with the folks who were there. Okay. So we sat down and folks were eating. Um, and this is a cafe, 12 Baskets Cafe, which means that you come in, you sit down, and waiters and waitresses come over to you and say, you read what the menu is for the day. You have a choice, vegetarian option. There was uh, uh, barbecue chicken the day we were there. Oh, so good. Smelled so good. We said, no, 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 thank you, because we were thinking, well, there's only a little bit amount. There may not be enough food, and we've got plenty of food. We don't need to eat. But their structure is that you don't just come in, again, take resources and go. You come in and you treat that space, that table, as a connecting point to other people and to God. And you're expected to clean up as a client you're expected to serve others. You're expected to be a part of the process so you can work to some degree for what you are receiving. Again, the intent is not just to throw stuff. It's not toxic charity. It is a way to celebrate their humanity, give them choices 
in that community, people just go in and they give you what they got and you have very little say. But this was a special place. And so afterwards, she was tell, we sat down with her and she was telling us all about her table theology, how much communion means to her. And at this 23rd Psalm table, it is clear as well that if God is our shepherd, Individually, God is our collective shepherd. If God has prepared a table for David, God has prepared a table for us. She linked communion with this table. We are all fed at this table and expected to come to this table. And the joy in proclaiming that God is our Savior is that there are others in our flock. And by our flock, I mean humankind. And there are strays out there all over the place that may not want to come to our fold, Christ's fold, but our job is to try to welcome them to our table. There is so much to celebrate when we think about our relationship with God. And there's so much that we refuse to celebrate because I think we're just not real sure how to do that. If we truly believe that the Lord is our shepherd, then not only are we fed at this table, but there are empty seats at the table. And our job is to go out to everyone we come into contact with, seize those opportunities that God places in front of us to welcome others to this table so that they too will know that they are special, called, and loved, and that God is their shepherd as well. And so as we celebrate the 23rd Psalm with us today, it is one that we share at funerals. We are in the valley of the shadow of death at times, but we are also at this table, a table that God set. Sometimes we are at the table that Christ set for us, but all of that is based on community and family and taking what we have and sharing it with others. So I'd like us to repeat and close and say it again together, the 23rd Psalm. Go ahead and find it in your bulletin. And think about how it's not just about us, how we are called not only to affirm God as our shepherd, but to seize our place at the table and bring others to it. Please join me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.